Texas Compact. I'm a compliance evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the month of May, one month series on operationalizing your compliance program. And this month, I will focus on the use of your human resources function to help you operationalize your compliance program. This month, my sponsor is Advanced Compliance Solutions. Advanced Compliance Solutions is your one-stop shop for all compliance-related services. Uh, Advanced Compliance Solutions has a new, exciting service offering called the Compliance Alliance, which is a three-step program that will provide you and your team a background into compliance and the FCPA so you can consider how your product or service fits the needs of the compliance officer, the compliance practitioner, and the compliance professional. It includes a boot camp, a podcast series, sponsorship, and an in-person training. Each section builds on the other and provides your customer service and sales teams with the knowledge they need to have intelligent conversations with compliance officers and decision makers. When the program is complete, your teams will be armed with the knowledge they need to sell and service every new compliance client. Interested people should contact myself, Tom Fox. In the evaluation of corporate compliance programs issued by the Department of Justice, there was a section on incentives and discipline. This spoke directly to the need of the HR function in compliance or several other uh, parts of the evaluation which speak to the integration of compliance into your HR function to fully operationalize your compliance program. Each day this month, I will be exploring a different way for you to operationalize your compliance function through the HR function. I hope you enjoy this series. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening. Day 10, Sales Incentives and Compliance. In the Department of Justice's evaluation of corporate compliance programs, Prong 8, Incentive and Disciplinary Measures, it states, Incentive System. How has the company considered the potential negative compliance implications of its incentives and rewards? This week I've been considering how a company can use incentives to further a compliance program and the role of HR in this process. I now want to consider how incentives might lead to the converse, but looking at the intersection of sales incentives and compliance, which led to the problems at Wells Fargo. When you misalign these two concepts with a faulty sales strategy, it can lead to catastrophic failure literally costing a company millions of dollars in fines and loss of business and depreciation of shareholder value. Certainly, that's the experience of Wells Fargo. The sales incentive program under which Wells Fargo came to grief was as simple and even benign as one can have, cross-selling of banking products. The concept sounds simple enough. If a customer has a checking account, why not sell them a mortgage, wealth management services, or a credit card as well? Banks becoming, with banks becoming larger over the last two decades, cross-selling has become a mantra. It's a, basically as simple as going to McDonald's and ordering a Big Mac and the uh, counterperson saying, would you like French fries and a drink with that? Yet there are other reasons for engaging in this type of business practice. Each and every time a company has a touch point with a customer, particularly a commercial touch point with a business, it strengthens the relationship. Indeed, the take by former CEO John Stump on traditional bank practices was to promote deeper, more frequent contact with the people it serves. If there is one word that might have described his tenure, it was relationships. 
what you're trying to do is have an interaction with a customer, and that's really a touch point and touchstone of every business. The more relationships, the more touch points, the more you can talk to your customer, the better relationship you're going to have, and hopefully the more you're going to make sales. So what starts off as a legitimate business, excuse me, legal and beneficial business strategy not only becomes high risk, but moves to illegal because of the manner in which Wells Fargo administered its approach to cross-selling. As with any sales initiative, if a company wants to push it, it will set up incentives for the sales team to engage in such behavior. This can be done by increasing commissions around the service or the product being emphasized, such as bank products at Wells Fargo. Banks have created incentives for cross-selling. Branch employees can get bonuses, sometimes 10% or more of their salaries when they sell additional products. Companies can also increase sales by making clear that you are being evaluated on how much you sell a product or service. In other words, whether you receive a bonus, receive a pay raise, or even keep your job will be evaluated in some part on how much you cross-sell. You can even have a hybrid of the above, which may be the worst of all worlds. At Wells Fargo, employees were evaluated for continuing employment by their supervisors on cross-selling. Yet they did not receive the same financial incentives to keep cross-selling. Branch managers could receive bonuses of up to $10,000 per month for meeting cross-selling quotas. And employees who hit their monthly quotas, in addition to continued employment, could receive a $25 gift card. So is it a misalignment? Is it a solvable problem? What is uh, precisely the answer to this? What should a discretionary bonus program consist of? Uh, Is it corporate-based? Is it group performance-based? Is it personal, i.e., eat what you kill, or should it be all of the above? What are some of the indicia of your corporate structure that might go off the rails from the compliance and, indeed, operationalized perspective? Lofty goals or one would be lofty goals but no directions for employees on how to get there. Two, there is a paucity of communication between management and line employees, meaning there is a raw fear from employees to inform their immediate supervisors of bad news. Conversely, it could be the supervisors who do not want to hear such bad news. And number three, if your company has a single focus on numbers, meaning that is a single, it means that, That is the single judge of your worth as an employee. This ties directly into the incentive, or rather the concept, for every incentive, there is an offsetting risk. Managing that risk has to be done on an ongoing basis. As a compliance practitioner, You need to be seen as a trusted business partner. You need to understand the design of your incentive programs and finally be able to monitor incentive programs to identify underlying links that could arise and end through compliance violations. Whether the strategy, purpose, or structure of companies are often misaligned is often what makes the difference between a good organization and and a bad one. This is particularly true in the convergence of compensation and compliance. Whatever the structure, there will be employees who game the system. Some will do it with a tacit or explicit approval of management. As a CCO, you may be required to act to kill off these demons. But 
If you operationalize your compliance program through ongoing monitoring, it could be a way to alert you before you get to the Wells Fargo situation of clear illegal action. So what are today's three key takeaways? One, how can compensation become misaligned with compliance? Two, even if something starts off as a legitimate legal and beneficial business strategy, it can become high risk because of the manner in which it is administered. So what are you doing in terms of the administration of the system? And that's why the operationalization is so important, particularly through ongoing monitoring. Those closest to the front lines, both the, uh, the employee base, but also the supervisory and the monitoring base should be able to alert compliance when things get begin to get out of whack. And then finally, number three, it is the strategy, purpose, and structure of companies and their alignment, which makes the difference between a good organization and a bad one. Once again, going back to Wells Fargo, you had as benign a product as possible, banking services. You had a clearly established sales goal. Eight is great. And then you had sales incentives and evaluation of employees based upon these sales goals. So when you put all three of those together and it came to a complete misalignment and led to the scandal which has adversely affected Wells Fargo so greatly. So when the Department of Justice asks, what are the potential negative compliance implications of your incentives and rewards? It's asking you to take a look in a way that you perhaps have not done so in the past. If you have an employee, your top five salespeople are 1,000% above sales, what's the reason? How could they get to 1,000% above sales? Um, was it their sales quota was too low? Was it a positive reason that they were able to develop a new sales strategy or sales technique? Or, or was it a new product or service that was so unique that uh, the marketplace reacted quite well? A wide variety of things that you need to consider from the compliance perspective. Sales incentives, sales, comma, incentives, and compensation can all be used to drive compliant behavior and positive benefits of compliance. But the reverse and inverse is also true that it can be negative. And so the Department of Justice, in the evaluation of corporate compliance documents, asks you to consider the potential negative compliance implications as well. Of course, this needs to be documented, and it needs to be going forward on an ongoing basis. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for joining me uh, at Day 10, and hope you'll join me tomorrow for Day 11 of One Month to Better Compliance Through HR. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of One Month to Operationalizing Your Compliance Program Through the Use of Your HR Function. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you will rate it on iTunes as it would help our ratings and also get the word out about this seminal one-month series that I'm doing in 2017. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at T-F-O-X, that's T-Fox, at tfoxlaw.com. Finally, I hope you will join me again. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.